on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hi everyone, welcome to the newest episode of the Bogeyman Podcast with Dave and Johnny. Um, we're lucky enough to be joined by probably the most promising player to come across the Irish scene in a long time, to be honest. Uh, 2019 Eastlake Cup winner in Atlanta, three-time Irish boys winner. Um, Peter McAvoy trophy winner in the UK, led Wake Forest in scoring average this year. His average was 70.2. Uh, we're lucky enough to be joined by Mark Power from... Kilkenny. How are you lads? Uh, thanks for having me on and uh, it's nice to be back home after uh, a good spell in America and uh, just looking forward to getting back playing tournaments I guess again. You, yeah, you're back, you're back a while you said to us before the chat, you're back about three months now at the moment, is it? Yeah, like three months, yeah. So when we found out like the season and that was over, um, it was nearly a case of just kind of shut up shop and get out because we weren't really sure how bad things were going to get and um, we knew that uh, the college was going to close down and everything would go online and that. Um, so I'm back a good three months now. So like the final exams and stuff have been all online. So um, that kind of that side of things hasn't been too bad. So how quickly did uh, did the college make the decision to to shut up shop and basically? Send yeah, it was very quick actually because we were um, we were planning to go to a tournament like the next day in Florida, and we kind of got word that the tournament was going to be cancelled. So we were like. Fair enough, like, you know, it's tournament cancelled. But um, but then later that night, our coach got a call and they were like, this thing is really serious and um, it looks like they, they could be pulling the plug in the season. And we were all just, you know, kind of taken aback by that. We thought it was a bit of an exaggeration or whatever. So we, um, anyway, I can't remember what we did that night, but um, probably a few beverages or whatever. But then the next, the next, uh, the next day, we actually found out that... Uh, we actually found out that the season was cancelled. So it was kind of a case of, I got onto my parents and uh, I had a flight booked in a matter of days and uh, I cleaned out my whole room and uh, was kind of gone out of there, you know, really fast. And um, it's kind of disappointing how things ended, but just, you know, no one could have pre- how, predicted how the last few months could have gone. You, it's probably, we'll probably get into more of the college year as well, but probably disappointing for you with how well you were playing but I think let I, I'd like we'd like to kind of drop back a bit it's like it's not from the stones you lick this golf stuff to be honest is it mm-hmm. um your dad while the power name would probably be more synonymous with hurling down in Kilkenny <clears throat> he was very much the I suppose the catalyst for you to get started like your dad is Eddie Power who's for anyone who doesn't know is three-time Irish close winner so the the pedigree is there I suppose so is he's obviously the one that that, that brought you into the game and Gave it the start. Yeah, actually, both my parents have played at a really high level. So, um, like my dad had obviously won the Irish close three times. My mum had won the Irish women's close three times. So, um, you know, I've just grown up around the get up around the game, I guess you could say, and um, you know, trophies around the house, uh, different pictures of them winning different tournaments. So, uh, you can kind of tell, like, I kind of tell from a young age that uh, you know, it was it was a lot of golf around me and. Um, I suppose I wasn't really pushed into it by my parents. They just kind of wanted to 
you know, I played a lot of you know, lot of sports when I was younger, and um, it wasn't necessarily I was I was pushed straight down the path to golf, but I just took a liking to it. And um, I've said this so many times: when you kind of get the bug for golf, you just you just can't get enough of it. And I suppose that's kind of what happened with me. Your Sunday family three balls or four balls must be the most. <laughs> well, my bro- my brother plays at a decent level as well, so the four balls would be. Uh, Tense enough, you could say. Fivers are a very hard one in the power household, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And like, I suppose you, you, you the, your, your mum probably will give out to me for, for neglecting to, to mention her, but I, I think you're in a very unique spot in that you actually managed to, early on in your career, in your amateur, very early in your amateur career at 14, you played in the South alongside your dad. Mm-hmm. You, know, you didn't get to each other in the, in the match play stages, but... What was the, I suppose, the golfing influence there? Because you're you're kind of going from father son to being contemporaries in, in in what you're playing. And so, how or what traits that either of your mum or your dad might have instilled in you from a golf perspective kind of allowed you to be mature enough at fourteen to go and really kick into those senior competitions, the men's competitions? Yeah, well, to be fair to them, they um they've been very good to me. I suppose they competed a lot. Um, you know. Uh, at various levels and um this was they reached the kind of pinnacle of amateur golf in ireland but when i was younger i suppose they brought me to a lot of like the younger tournaments like the underage tournaments um so i suppose i got i got you know i kind of got used to competing and i suppose that's the that's the key if you can kind of get comfortable competing and um you just learn different things about yourself now i was a little bit of a hothead when i was younger so um you know i had to get a few clips on the ears now and then just you know, throwing clubs or whatever, but you know, they know the game so well, and uh, there's none of that. That won't get you far at all. So, um, I suppose from that kind of point of view, the mental game, I, I struggled on a little bit when I was younger, but um, having mom and dad just to kind of point me in the right direction and kind of let me know. Like, I knew it was wrong, but at the same time, when you're young, you want to do so well, and uh, it's just you know, it's you're so competitive and. And all sorts, but just you get in your own way, and I suppose I had gotten my own way. So, uh, from from a mental point of view, they were uh, definitely a big help. I love that you're comparing to when you were younger, as if that was yeah. like <laughs> decades ago. That was like, I'm only yeah, sure. Only saying it's my twentieth birthday next week, but I feel um, I suppose I I've been playing tournaments since I was like probably eight or nine. So, uh, God, I feel like I've been at this game thirty years, but uh, <laughs> hopefully I'll have another thirty ahead of me. <laughs> The way we play the game, you might feel like you've been out of thirty years. The way you play the game is very, very different <laughs> from the average, from the average person. But so you're over now in the US, um, over in Wake Forest. So how how did that come about? Obviously, your your stellar younger amateur career obviously put you in in the sight of of a of such a prestigious college as that. Yeah, I think. Um, I suppose when you're kind of at that age of around 15, 16, you're playing in a lot of the top kind of boys tournaments like under 18. And um, I suppose I won, I had a big win over in England. I won the Peter McAvoy Trophy, which is kind of like the English uh, under 18 boys. And, you know, you get an international field and you have all the best guys in Great Britain and Ireland. So uh, I only, I won that when I was 15. So I suppose that probably stood out to a lot of coaches because they recruit in advance. Like they'll be looking at guys not necessarily just before college, but they'd be looking maybe three or four years in advance to try and, you know, just plan ahead. And when I got a few um, good results, like winning that and winning the Irish boys, um, you know, I kind of started to think, you know, 
guys were going to America on scholarships and um, it seemed like a really good path to obviously fulfilling my dream of, dream, dream of being a professional golfer. So um, I suppose you start looking at it that way. And, um, but the rules, saying that the rules are quite strict for you know, coaches to contact you, you still have to um, initiate the contact until your second last year of school. So I suppose it was simply putting it, I just sent out a bunch of emails to the good coaches that I was kind of interested in. And whatever got back to me, got back to me. Um, I suppose it kind of just went on from there. Who didn't get back to you? Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, what could have been? See, the thing is, um, you know, there's so many coaches and there's so many good guys that you kind of need a break as well. And um, to get to a place like Wake Forest, I actually knew um, Paul McBride, who would have went there. Um, and Paul has graduated there about two years ago. He's from the island in Dublin. And he kind of put in a good word for me with the coaches. Um, and, you know, I kind of got talking to him through him. So... Uh, having someone like him to kind of help me um, get in contact with the coaches and organise like a visit and that, uh, I suppose, did help. And when you got on that campus, our coaches will say, when you got on that campus as a as a recruit, like there's there's no other place you'll want to go. Like we're so spoiled. And the minute I step foot on campus, like it's just like um, it's nearly like a fairy tale. Like our our like our our practice facilities are outrageously good and I suppose for a keen golfer that's that's all you kind of want really what kind of facilities have you got like just give us a give yeah us a so, so for so for our men's team we'll have about nine or ten on the roster and women's um about nine or ten as well so it's pretty much about 20 golfers who use this facility and the thing is like a, a like a full it's like the range of Mount Juliet nearly just for just for ourselves um so a huge driving range um you have like four four different greens, chipping and putting greens, uh, different types of grass because you know we play different types of grass in America. Then we have like an indoor putting center with the, all the technology, uh, some indoor hitting bays when it rains. Uh, then we have a huge locker room. Like we're just so we're so spoiled, and uh, I suppose you do take it for granted sometimes. But um, yeah, it's a very good facility. And like the academic side of things. Um, how 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 did that attract you or like Alex Fitzpatrick is is with you is on your team and mm. I, I heard an anecdote that when Matt went to college in the mm. states and he found out he actually had to do college oh, he, was, yeah, he was like no I'm out of here and oh like, yeah he, it's, he, it's, he yeah. He like, I've, seen, I've seen it happen I've seen it happen a lot like guys go over and and you know they you know they don't last either because they're homesick or they just can't handle the 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 school side of things and. You know, it's very easy going over there just to think you're going there just to become like a PGA Tour player and you're just going to do golf, golf, golf. But there's, uh, there's a lot more to it. Like you have to, you're not, you, they won't let you play the NCAA, which are like the, the main um, organization. They won't, they won't let you play unless you, you get a grade point average of over 2.0, which is, which is kind of relative like C's. But like if you're just slacking off and you're getting maybe like a grade point average of a 1.8, they won't let you play at all. So you pretty much just get kind of sidelined from the team until you get your grades back up. So um, it's important. They, they stress a lot how important grades are, and they absolutely are. And um, we're very lucky. We have a lot of people supporting us over there, so uh, different study coaches and uh, advisors and stuff. So you can't really do badly, um, I'll put it that way. So uh, the study, I haven't found it too hard because I kind of went with that expectation of knowing that school was going to be important too. Um, but I've just kind of found that balance, which is important, I suppose. Did you find when you went over there, so 
you're into obviously second year. It's your second year there or first year there this year? I'm in my first just, year now. Just finished your first year, year, going into your second year. Yeah. Did you find having come from a scenario where you're playing men's senior internationals, but you're playing against an awful lot of good guys in Championship Golf in Ireland? Um, mm. The standard is obviously relative, relatively high, and you've got guys coming from abroad. Did you feel going over that when you first saw the competition and the guys that are on the team that? I've got this. I'm like I'm. I'm as good as this. Or did did that adjustment time for you to kind of get over the imposter syndrome piece? Did, like, did it kick in quite quickly that you're good enough? To, yeah, to it was actually nearly the opposite. Um, the strength and depth of the the players over there is mad. Like, obviously, the in the tournaments back home, I suppose in Ireland, there's a lot of good guys, but there's no depth. Like, you'll have a lot of good guys, and then you'll have it'll just kind of drop. But Whereas in the States, you, you just have so many good guys. And, um, you know, there, there's such a depth. And if you're not doing well one week, you, you'll, you'll be down the bottom. Like, there's no way there's no way you can have an off week and still be kind of near the top 10, top 20. Um, so it kinda, I kind of, I, but I knew that. I didn't go over, like, expecting to, to set the world alight or anything. I knew um, I'd have to practice and uh, take everything in my stride. And, uh, you know, just... You know, I didn't want to be too big-headed about anything. I just wanted to be humble and, and kind of find my own level and see where I stood and see where I needed to get better, I suppose. Um, and I did find that out pretty quickly. I knew how, how good the level was, but uh, I found out a few parts of my game that I needed to work on. I got to work on that pretty quickly. Like what? So I suppose my drive, and I used to, I suppose I hit it quite long, but I used to be a little bit, um, a little bit wild, you could say, uh, off the tee, like not so consistent. So... Me too. I really just wanted to just to kind of find something that I could trust uh, because, you know, <laughs> when you're standing over a, a tee shot and you don't really know if you're going to find the fairway or going to hit into the woods, not the nicest feeling. So uh, I, I was lucky. I, I kind of got the hang of it and I just kind of found a few swing toss that, that really helped me off the tee and I've driven the ball brilliantly ever since. So uh, something like that. And it was just... You know, it's always driving and putting, and I suppose I just wanted to get a bit more consistency in my putting as well. And um, when I started to put better, I suppose won a won a tournament and had a few good results. Because I feel like a bit of an imposter here chatting to the two of you. Because do you, what we didn't say at the start was that you two guys play quite a bit of golf from Julia together. Um, yeah. And I I always love getting an amateur's view on a on a like a very good amateur's game or a professional's game. So, Johnny, if you could describe Mark's game from the lay person side what would it be like well so so yeah we we, we did a, a full round together and how, how was the best way for me you are this is before you went over to wake for us so you, you yeah it would, it would so, have been yeah yeah so um we're driving on like a machine so like like yeah. there's there comes a point where you play with people that are considerably better than you and you go all right these guys are good then you play with one or two more people who are a step above them. And you're just like, wow, this is, this is a different sport. And I remember being on the 10th, 10th, 10th fairway. Um, and you just had like a, a relatively short iron in to the green on the, it's a par five that you have to either go over the trees or around the trees have left uh, on the 10th. And you hit this unbelievable shot to about like seven or eight feet. And I was just like, okay, so we're playing not even two different versions of golf, but we're playing two different sports here. And that's probably the first time that I experienced that, that close up. Mark, what would you say about Johnny's game? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, you know, he's a, 
Well, I appreciate that. But no, Johnny can play as well. Uh, very steady. Uh, we'll be looking forward to playing a game next week and we'll see uh, any improvements or not. But uh, I, remember yeah. I, was, I remember when we played last. This is back when I was playing off 13. I was wrecking mm. ahead with my handicap. Yeah, because um, every hole, we was either making par or you know dropping a shot, but there was no doubles or anything. You were steady as hell. And I remember you were getting like, you were nearly getting a shot a hole, and I think I think we could have been on opposite teams. We I think were, yeah. Playing with Luke, and I remember just thinking, like, come on, you're gonna hit, but you're gonna make a double here or something, and you're just making pars and bogeys. And I suppose when you're getting, I suppose you're handi- what are your what's your handicap now? It's not thirteen anymore. Not nine now. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I've I've so I've suffered by that sword as well that he has. <laughs> to be honest, he's yeah, he's, he's done that to me in Power Score too. So <clears throat> I know exactly how you feel, but. Going back to like over to Atlanta, well, specifically talking about some some quality courses, and probably after me, well, I'm not sure if you would rank it as your high as your biggest victory, individual victory, but the East Lake Cup this year, which oh, 2019, um, for this season, which is played on in East Lake, which is where the FedEx Cup is mm-hmm. um, held. That that must have been like, right. I know you said you didn't want to go over and set the world on fire, but you mm-hmm. kind of you kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it all happened quite fast actually um i was only over there i think two months when i i got the individual win at east lake and it was kind of just one of those crazy weeks where i was just i was so happy to make the team because we knew that we we'd gotten into east lake from our good finish in the nationals so it's your it's the top four teams pretty much in the country uh from the year before get to play east lake so um i knew if i just got to that week we we're you know, the we were looked after so well. We had photo shoots all week, and um, well, from the start of the week, um, interviews. You know, the cameras around Golf Channel were there, so you kind of knew it was going to be a fun week. And um, just East Lake itself, God, when you got to the clubhouse, you just see all the pictures. Like, um, it was Bobby Jones, more, you know, anciently you could say, but like McElroy and Tiger, the two previous years that were there. I remember just watching those tournaments and. It's such a good golf course. When you actually get there, it's just so it's so surreal. Um, from watching a place like that on TV and and then actually being there. So you know, the minute I got there, I knew it was going to be a crazy week. But uh, I didn't anticipate uh, actually winning it because there there was pretty much the top guys in the country that were there. Um, so it was a massive confidence boost to to win that individual uh, win, even if it was eighteen holes. But I'll still claim it. Well, you shot a 67. Like, it's not like you, you scraped the win. You won by like two or three shots as well. I think I won by three in the end. I think 200 was second. Um, but yeah, it was just, see, you couldn't, you didn't really know how anyone was doing, which was kind of the, the strange thing. Whereas if it was like a three round tournament, like they normally are, oh. um, you kind of know what position you were going into the final round and who to look out for. Whereas it was kind of just a free for all. And, um, I was two, I think I was three under with four to go. And, um, you know, I knew that was good and I was playing out my skin, but I wasn't sure if everyone else was doing the same. Uh, but then I realized come 17, I birdied 17 and I found out that if I parred the last, I would more than likely be good enough and happened to birdie it. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the video of me holding the, putt in the last, but I kind of yeah, just yeah. exploded with emotion because it was, it was a massive, uh, you know, win for me, you could say. and. I hadn't really won anything uh, since my previous Irish boys under 18. 
uh, which I won in the playoff. So I kind of had a target of winning a tournament again. And just when you get over that, you kind of get over the line. You just, it's, a, it's a feeling like no other. So, um, it must have been, yeah. Sorry, it must it must no, have been no, some no, that was, yeah. It must have been some feeling because I was looking at that leaderboard as well at the time. I remember watching I got clips of it on Golf Channel because we had seen the NCAA final mm. that weren't that long before it. So yeah. was it that Texas team had about five guys behind you just trying to hunt you down? And yeah. that's a team that had would have had Matthew Wolf on it the year previously in the NCAA. Yeah, final. he was at Oklahoma State. So there was Oklahoma, Oklahoma State yeah. were there and then Texas and also Vanderbilt. But um Wolf was at Oklahoma State and Victor Hovland was at Oklahoma State the previous year. And they were like an outrageously good or sorry, it could have been two years ago. And they were they had an outrageously good team and they they probably still are known as one of the best golf programs in history of America. So to be playing against teams like Oklahoma State and obviously Texas probably have the best informed team in America at the minute. Um, to be playing against those kind of players so quick into my kind of college career was um, surreal, as I said, and uh, to kind of beat those guys was a massive boost. And to win on that kind of platform, because also like you're saying, you saw Tyre and you saw Rory, to, to win on that platform on that course and then having the kind of media circus around there as well with mm. the cameras, because um, that, must, that must feel great because i saw the emotion like when you gave your fist yeah yeah like because i've I've said this so many times but um that kind of like last five holes you know i i wasn't really sure where i was how i was doing but then when the cameras come on you the last kind of four or five holes i you know like they're uh they're watching you for a reason and and they got they got up close as well like you know they'd be walking along up the fairway just a few like a foot away from your face so um you know you're just trying to keep everything together and that walk down the 18 fairway up to the green um was pretty amazing because they had the you know cameras like like they would on in a pga tour event so it kind of felt um it felt really cool and uh you know just having cameras around you when you're playing it just gives you that extra focus you could say and um it kind of took it my stride you just imagine the thousands of people flooding onto the fairway behind you didn't you <laughs> When I was walking up, I was trying to re- recreate in my head that memory of uh, when Tiger, that was his big comeback win two years ago. Remember when he um, yeah. he was walking up and they all just zoomed in around around him and uh, like, you know, you kind of have to pinch yourself sometimes and I was trying to just recreate just when I was walking to pretend there was thousands of people behind me. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy just that, just to be able to win, to say you won something on the same course as, you know, Tiger and Rory the previous years, but a lot of other greats in the past as well. And that, that was must the- be absolutely yeah, that must be surreal. Um, oh, well, I can't imagine actually as a nineteen-year-old, you're over there three months at that stage, four months, and just just uh, two and a half, I think. Two and a half months, and then you're doing this. I said, you're probably thinking to yourself that God, this is going to be not not that you're taking it for granted, but you're going to like this this is going to be easy as in if, if i can if i can produce my best stuff here I'm, I'm going to be winning at that level which for the season that's been curtailed but then the season that's to come you must be thinking next year that there are individual honors i want to go after now like your your goal setting must have changed mm-hmm. gone from yeah. right just get in get sorted now it's like i want to win everything i'm playing yeah it absolutely does change your mindset because as i said i kind of came from just wanted to test the waters, find kind of where I where I was, and then all of a sudden, the week before, I finished third at a really good event, and um, then obviously won won the individual at East Lake. So 
everything kind of goes from, you know, just just kind of um, just finding my own feet to actually competing and winning tournaments. And then you, everything just changes. You, you want to win more. You want to, you know, try and, you know, get in the Ben Hogan Award. I win, try and win the Ben Hogan Award, which is uh, Player of the Year. And um, obviously not saying that's my goal for next year, but obviously in the, in the future, that's something I'll look for. And, and just try and just keep being contending because there's no better feeling than when you're kind of up there on the back nine with a chance to win. So um, I'll definitely, you know, try and just shoot towards that next year. What was it like making your making your debut in the in the states? Because obviously that was again a pretty impressive debut. You won as a team the Rod Myers Invitational. And yeah, you yourself came up tied ninth in that. Yeah, I was ninth. Yeah, and it was actually a it was kind of a sour ninth at that as well because I actually played really nice all week and um, we were actually uh, it was Duke's home tournament and we'd be big rivals with Duke, so to get the team in was massive, but. Personally, I wanted to kind of get like a top five or whatever. And I was, uh, I think I was like in fourth place with, with three holes to go and three put my last three holes. Uh, and I finished, ended up finishing individual nine, um, which kind of stung, but I, it kind of, you know, it gave me that sense of understanding that like I'm going straight back and going to the putting green for a week because I'm not letting that happen again. And my putting improved because, you know, just things like that, um, well, just kind of it'll point, it'll point out things you need to work on and the experience and that. So I, I worked hard on my putting for the next few weeks and um, it definitely helps. Yeah, because what, four top tens and seven events on the win. That's a yeah, decent yeah. first year. Yeah, absolutely. It couldn't really have gone much better. Um, and even golf aside, I just love the whole, I love the whole vibe around Wake Forest. Um, like it's a really cool place and it's not the biggest college. So I can, I think that kind of suits me because um, if I went over to this big college in America, I'd kind of feel a little bit kind of lost in the crowd, you could say. But uh, I've met so many cool people so far and you kind of get to know everyone, um, you know, in your year and all the different athletes and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's been a really cool experience. It sounds like you're in this for the, for the, full, for the full term, as in it's not just a smash and grab to get as much as you can from a golf perspective. It sounds like you're actually embracing the whole college scene. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think um, it's important, you know, going to college, you don't, you want to enjoy college itself and get the full experience of it. And, you know, it's just a lot more to it than just playing golf. And I suppose I would have played soccer growing up and would have went out with my friends a lot. And uh, I didn't want to just kind of, you know, as I went into college, I didn't want to just be all golf. I wanted to still um, enjoy myself. Like, and I feel, you know, it's a lot easier to play go golf when you're enjoying the rest of your life. And, um, you feel you have other things going for you rather than just, you know, just golf. And I was actually listening to Bob McIntyre's uh, podcast there from last week, and he even said it himself. If it's all golf, 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 and just fry your brain, to be honest. And he went back playing shinty, like, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, whatever, whatever works for you, I suppose. And I kind of feel um, folks and other things and enjoying other parts of my life will help me, I suppose, play enjoy golf more and play better you could say what's you your escape that, then sorry. Oh yeah, sorry. What's your i was actually about to ask the same thing i was saying <laughs> can can you do you feel now after i suppose having such a good year that you can go to your coaches now and say if, if things are going bad for a couple of weeks like i need to get away from golf for 10 days i need to clear my head is that is that kind of facility there for you can you get away or what do you get away um, to? 
To be honest, I don't know how they'd greet that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they probably look Not at quite you. Yet. Like, yeah, because at, at the same time, it is a team game, and I'm on. A, they're paying. You know, they're giving me a scholarship to to um, provide for the team. You could say, and I am a big team guy. So no matter how bad things we get, I'm never going to just you know pack it in. <laughs> uh, I'll just make sure that if I if I feel like things aren't working, I'll I'll make sure I change something. You know you know, in my practice or with have whatever I'm doing, but um no, I don't think I'll I'll ever go on a little, you know, boycott the whole guy. But no, it's it's a it's a fair point because some people just do need a break and at times you will like even the last few months it's been nice to just relax and just talk to friends and, you know, spend more time with family and just do normal things rather than um, you know, just constantly focusing on golf, you could say. What do you do to what do you do to decompress then? What's your what's your shinty? Yeah, I suppose like just having a kick around with the lads because I used to I used to love soccer and I played it since I was what six six up until I was eighteen. Uh, played with local team and I also played with Kilkenny. So um, just I just love sports in general. Like I'll watch any sports. Like back in the Bundesliga was on, I've been stuck to the Bundesliga. Like like I'm just waiting for the Premier League to come back and. Um, I just love love sports in general, and uh, just I swear I just like watching TV. I like like watching Netflix. Uh, just whatever. Just I'm fairly easy going. I'll happily just you know sit around the house and and occupy myself. Um, you know, it's just finding things that you enjoy. I suppose apart outside of golf. You sound like the most normal college student of all time. With the most <laughs> extraordinary ability to. To, to put golf in perspective I think your like I think your maturity is kind of coming through and I suppose does that has that been brought about by the fact that you've kind of had to go over not so much completely fend for yourself abroad mm. at such a young age because we've spoken to a couple of people now who've done the same thing and it's really affected them in terms of not being able to fit fit in as soon as the golf went bad they came home and mm. um, that was in Gavin Moynihan's case he felt that if he wasn't getting enough out of golf, he was he was yeah. right back home. But mm-hmm. you you seem to be getting a far more holistic and proper good college life out of it, which is mm. sounds great. Yeah, I know it's 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 so important just to have um, you know, just to have you know a close bunch of friends that you can kind of relate to and just you know take your mind off things. And I absolutely love going out and practicing and trying to get better and looking just competing and going away to for example like going away to texas or georgia and seeing how i can get on and then i look forward to coming back to campus and seeing the lads again and um you know getting back to if i have to work on something i'll practice and i suppose the school side of it is the only is the only uh not so enjoyable thing but you, you have to do it and just try and get by that kind of that kind of thing but um yeah it's just important to have other things going in your life than than just focusing so much on golf you're just gonna put so much pressure on yourself and uh does not work for me <laughs> when are your when are your finals now speaking of the academics yeah i'm finished yeah finished yeah our finals were two weeks ago there so or not even three weeks ago it's god i'm i'm done a while and everything went well got good final grades so i'm sitting on a nice gpa so right. happy days what are you studying actually yeah so wake forest is kind of different to other schools you do um you do like a, a general kind of like a like a liberal arts degree is what they call it. So you just pick like a bunch of different uh, subjects from different ranges. Like you know it can be business, biology, 
um, you know, even theatre. I did a theatre class my first semester and like just a crazy experience. But I loved it. Like it was really fun. And uh, you just have to make sure you're getting the right credits for your first two years. So you need to reach a, a certain amount of credits. I think it's maybe like 15 credits uh, a week each semester. So that would be like maybe four classes a day or whatever. Um, so you have to, and then in your second year, you choose what you want to major and minor in. Um, so like you can major in business or whatever, but I haven't really looked that far forward ahead. Um, I'm just kind of, I'll just take it, take it when it comes to me. But uh, you know, it is important to just get a degree. I suppose I'll, I'll go with the, I'll hopefully, and um, you know, I'm loving it there. And ideally I, I get a degree and then give professionally a, a crack because it is important to have a backup. Like, you know, it's, it is tough to make it and there's a lot of good guys out there. So, uh, well, my mom would like to hear me saying that. So. <laughs> She's in the corner there. So yeah. <laughs> but no, no, it is important to get a degree because it is very hard out there to make it. Yeah, definitely. And then, so for your next couple of years, have you got, have you got any word on, does any kind of sponsor invite to PGA or Challenger European Tour events? Or like, how does that work for you over there? Yeah, there's actually, we're lucky, some tournaments that you win as an individual in tournaments in America, you can get different invites to tournaments like PGA Tour events and stuff. So uh, hopefully if I happen to win another one soon, I can find myself getting an invite to a PGA Tour event. But, um, you know, I think invites kind of just look after themselves. And if you get to know the right people, you might get one here and there. But um, they are hard to get nowadays because there's just so many especially now i suppose the way things have gone yeah. uh with not very many turns you know being on i think it's they're starting back in a couple of weeks are they yeah it's um it's next week next weekend this 11th isn't it? next weekend 11th, yeah. i think i think everyone will, will want to get try and get back competing <laughs> if they can if it's safe so uh, i think it could be hard to for amateurs to get into any european tour or pg tour events but it'll be a great experience to to get back and play one again because i've been i've been able to play a challenge tour event uh, once before that was about it. Which yeah. one was that? I played the the Irish Challenge Tour event in Mount Wolsey uh, three years ago. I think it was. Um, could have been four. I think it was three. And God, that was a crazy week. I shot eight over in the first round and shot five under in the second round <laughs> uh, to miss the cup by one. He kind of oh, blew no. myself out of it early, and managed. I shot the lowest round of the first two days actually on the second round. Um, so that was and I, that was a positive take out of the week but just to to experience that kind of um, just to play in a term Fiji Tour or European Tour or not even European Tour Challenge Tour event just so professionally just, just working that out you were 16 when you did that yeah 16 yeah, that, that's that's sobering yeah I was very lucky to actually get the invite though and um, you know it was nice to just even just try and mix it with professionals I suppose that even from a very young age must give you a reassurance. Obviously, yeah. So the first day, I think I remember you saying before that the weather was awful. Um, so yeah. it, was, it was almost a bit of a write-off. But on the second day to shoot the lowest round with the opening two days, you know at 16 that you can mix it with these guys. Yeah, the first day was horrible. Like it was windy and cold and wet. And uh, that is something actually I've gotten better at playing in bad weather because I would have been a little bit babyish, you know, just... If it, if it wasn't going my way, I'd, you know, just like start complaining about the weather and stuff like that. And you just can't do that. And just because it's all psychologically, like if you start telling yourself it's bad, uh, you just start playing worse. And uh, I've, I've learned that and 
try not to to get into a hissy fit if I if I start playing poorly on a you know bad weather day and stuff. But no, I I just found out the second day with a different mindset. And it's a nice day and shot five under. Who um who are you playing with on that day? Because I'm interested to see their reaction to seeing a 16 year old come on with. Yeah, I actually played with. I played with a Danish guy who was on the European tour. He actually has a couple of wins. His name is Morten Oram Madsen. And uh, he won a European tour event about five or six years ago. And he lost his European tour card the year before. And it was actually a really cool... Because I remember I'd seen him playing a few uh, events on TV. And when I was drawn with him, it was cool just to play with an ex, an ex winner on the European tour. And uh, he was very nice. And I played with a, an, uh, an Australian guy, Daniel Fox, as well. Um, but they were very nice to me and uh, we had good fun and that. And it probably was a little strange for them playing with a 16-year-old and stuff. But, um, Who's beaten that was, Yeah, <laughs> I think I could have uh, beat one of them anyway. On the second day anyway. <laughs> What's, um, I, I, what I find really fascinating from us talking to a few of them pros who all did kind of go down the route that you're currently going down, What's been your biggest learning from going over to the States so far? You mentioned that there's a different grasses and there's different grass practice areas, which is just crazy yeah. to have as a facility anyway. Is, is that yeah, something that actually, you've learned? Yeah, it is. Um, like Bermuda grass and bent grass are the two main, you know, grasses, you know, we'll play tournaments on. And they're actually very different. Bermuda is really grainy and like to even chip off when you get the grass grain growing into you, it's an idiot close the eyes job like it can be horrible sometimes um because it's just it's really hard to describe but uh it's something you really need to get the hang of and we're lucky that we have that facility where we can we can practice chipping off bermuda grass and even putting on bermuda grass because it's so different to bent grass just with the grain and um it can be yeah it can be really tough to get your head around so um it's very important to to have that kind of you know, be able to get used to that kind of grass. And then bent grass is just your regular, um, kind of, I suppose, very similar to grass we have here, but Bermuda grass be the main one uh, that takes a bit of getting used to. And what do you do to try and get used to that? Like, is there something you need to do or is it just... Experience? Just practice. Yeah. That's literally it. Just get used to feeling what the club does when, you know, you're, you're chipping into that grain because it just digs. I need to try and be kind of... You know, I suppose shallow and a little bit more upright. Um, but any, if you ask anyone who who knows what Bermuda grass is like, chipping into Bermuda grass is really tricky. So um, that's something that you kind of really need to work on because you need to be you need to be conf like you know confident on the course. You can't really have any any doubts. Um, so just was well, just practicing. And uh, as regards to putting, uh, it's very grainy. So you're kind of reading the putt is one thing, but you'll need to kind of see what way the grass is growing also because it can completely change the speed of the foot uh, and obviously the break as well. So uh, there are more kind of technical things you do actually need to kind of get the hang of. But um, yeah, we're very lucky we have a Bermuda and um, a spent gr uh, grass uh, greens and stuff. And then like, so aside from the technical side, are the things yeah. that, that you, you learned? Like also you got Jerry Haas as, as your coach who's, mm. you know, former tour player um, himself. He's also coached like some pretty, pretty big names that are out there on the tour at the moment. Is there anything that he, he most impart wisdom with you all the time, but is there anything that's jumped out to you most so far in your first year? Yeah, he said that um, Bill Haas, when, when Bill um, 
obviously Bill has has done an amazingly as a tour pro. But when he was in college, he he didn't he used to barely hit balls. Like he used to maybe rock up after class and he'll just hit like fifty balls or not even some days, and he'll just just chip around, just chip put, and that kind of that kind of shows. Um, you know, it's it's really important to just get because he he obviously knew he he was confident in his long game and he knew hitting balls in the rains wasn't really going to help him, but kind of chipping around the greens did help him. And I suppose instead of hitting balls in the range, he'd just go out and play on the course and just get used to scoring. And uh, that's something I can really relate to as well, because sometimes it can be um, not miserable, but it just can be a bit of a slog just hitting balls in the range for ages. And, you know, you hit, you're hitting bad, you're hitting some left, right, and you're just, you just fries your brain. But when you're out in the course, it kind of gives you something, a different uh, mindset. And, um, yeah, that kind of that would kind of suit me as well. Yeah, that so, kind of. <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to ask about the relationship between you and Jerry. Uh, mm. Jerry has your coach. Is how does that work with a college team? Because obviously you've got the head coach and you've got other coaches around. Do you have kind of set times with them, that, or is it kind of a, just a check-in system, or does he mm. come out and see something, or what way does it work? Yeah, so we have um, obviously a head coach uh, Jerry, and then our assistant coach is Aaron O'Callaghan. Um, he's actually from Douglas and Cork and he's very good um, so they're two extremely experienced and um, really intelligent coaches they've they've been around for well they've they're very experienced they know they know what to say and they know you know how to approach um I suppose the practice sessions and they're not really they're not really structured that much we have we have practice every day from two to five and it's not like we have a set you know we have to do this and we have to do that uh, the coaches are really good. They they know everyone is going to have different things they want to do. So they'll kind of maybe set up a few things for us to do, but uh, and they'll just go around and, and just watch us and um, play a few games with us. See, the good thing about our coaches is they don't just kind of stand around and watch us. They kind of get involved. They chip around with us. They hit shots with us as well, um, which does help. And they, they like to have little competitions with us and push us and stuff. It's not just a case of just sitting there and watching us and barking orders. And it's not like that at all. Um, if they felt like there was something technically and or just if they, if they felt there was something they saw that was off they'll say it to you but very rarely they'll be you know trying to change your swing and that just kind of mentors and they're two of the best coaches I believe in uh, not even biased they're, they're two great coaches uh, I couldn't really um, I couldn't imagine much better coaches in America you could say do you do much strength conditioning stuff? Like, is there a program that you have to do? Like, what's a day? What's a typical day or a typical week? We like? do too much. <laughs> oh, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> You're too. Uh, you get, when you get into the rhythm of it, when you get into the rhythm of it, it's great. Um, but just this, just when that alarm goes at quarter past six in the morning, you just want to smash your phone. Like it's <laughs> not enjoyable, but it, it has to be done, and sacrifices like that have to be made, and. If you want to improve and do well in the in college, uh, you just have to do it. And we have we have um, gym workouts Monday, Wednesday, Friday, six thirty a.m. So um, they'll go from six thirty to seven thirty to seven forty-five ish, uh, and then we'll have kind of class from nine nine o'clock to one o'clock, and then practice. So it is like a it is it is tough enough going. Some days you'll you just you'll just not want to go, and other days you when you get into the gym, it's fine. But just getting up is the hard part. But no, we do a, we do quite a lot. Not too much kind of upper body stuff. Um, a lot of flexibility and um, stretching and different weights and stuff. But nothing too strenuous. It's a lot of cardio, I guess. 
Have they set you Our programs? hearts are bleeding for you over here. <laughs> have, they, have, they, uh, have they set you any programs for this lockdown and things to do at home? Yeah, there's um, our coach, uh, David Bass. He's a very good uh, strength and conditioning coach. They have this website called T- Team Builder uh, where they can pretty much just lay out workouts for us to do. So um, we've, I've been in contact with our, our strength and conditioning coach and he's, he's still left... Um, like I've no weights at home because I didn't. I tried to get them when the lockdown happened, but everywhere sold out like that. They were gone, and uh, I got no weights. So they luckily he he um he done out a few uh just body weight ex um programs for me, and I've been tipping away at them every couple of days and um, just staying in shape, I suppose, because it's not ideal if you're just spending a lot of time indoors and not working out. So um you kind know, of have to do a bit as well, yeah. And when, you back, when do you think you'll be back over? Everything seems to be opening up quite quickly in the US. So any idea yeah. when your season kicks off again or college year? Yeah, yeah. Um, not really sure still. We had a call there with the, with the coaches just, um, just to check in and stuff, but they don't really have any. They still didn't really have um, uh, a clear update yet because it's still kind of still up in the air. I think America, it, it never got as serious as, well, uh, weren't quite as serious as they were here like golf course were still open um but as regards to going back to to college i really don't know could be mid-september could be late august uh really don't know yet so we'll just have to just wait and see that's yeah that's fair enough um listen Mark, I want to say thank you very much for your time. Uh, enjoy your, your birthday and we'll, we'll, we'll see you soon. Yeah, it was enjoyable. And, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. But um, hopefully uh, the, the podcast keeps going and uh, I've been enjoying a few of them that I've listened to. So uh, thanks for having me on anyway. Look, we'll have a chat with you after your next win. Yeah. <laughs> a few beers maybe when I'm back. That was a that was a great day. I've really enjoyed that chat with with Mark. He's he's good crack. He's a really down to earth guy, but like a serious talent, and he's got a good head in his shoulders. Yeah, is he is he the lowest handicap amateur in the country? Uh, I think it's either himself or Keelan Rafferty. I think he's I think is he plus six at the moment. Plus six at the moment. Yeah. To, yeah, to give everyone a bit of perspective on what that is, that's just a phenomenal like. Like, I think what puts that into perspective as well with a lot of these amateur guys is that obviously they don't play a lot of club stuff, so they don't kind of are, are not susceptible to the normal standard scratches. Like a lot of the stuff he's playing are at like incredibly tough courses, and he plays an awful lot of stroke play events in the US. So these things all count. Like he's top, I think he's peaked out at top fifty in the world already in the amateur rankings. Um, and he's so unassuming as well. It's like you get the impression that it's just a kid over having a good time in college and getting the most out of it. Yeah, I think he's definitely, he comes across as just like one of us who's having a really good college experience who happens to have won a team event for his golf, golf team. Um, okay, tied ninth or on his own ninth. Then two weeks later, goes out, wins at East Lake where Rory won the year before. Tiger won the two years before that. Like he's in good company, and like we we spoke to Matt Sandercock who who gave the anecdote that Paul McGinley said that Mark Power is the greatest talent he's seen in this country since Roy McIlroy. Like to be even referred to on on that level, 
uh, and to be to be that humble and, and, and that talented is is impressive. We'll be seeing this kid for a long time. Yeah, we are. We're gonna like as soon as he turns pro, he's going to be like you would have thought fast tracked into who knows, he could stay in the US and decide that the US is something that suits him clearly suits him from a playing perspective. He's winning there. Um interesting actually his take on the Irish scene versus um versus the US scene and the depth that's there. He's probably saying that we're quite top heavy in terms of the challenge that competitors pose to him. Um whereas over there you're looking like it's it's quite strange in amateur golf over there that you're seeing household names. Um coming through winning I, and I think to put this into perspective too the guys he, he referenced there Victor Hovland and um and Matthew Wolf both went on to win on tour immediately after turning pro and coming out of college that's how good college golf is um and that team like I know we're kind of harping on about that Eastlake trophy win but that team from Texas um and the team from Oklahoma that, that he was talking about is four of those guys who within two years of turning pro have won on the US tour. So these guys are coming out of college golf ready to win professional events on the main tour. He's already done that at, at 19. Um, and he was and he was a young 19 when he did it too. So he, he would have been only 19 a couple of months. So yeah, such a nice guy. Best golfer that you're going to need to kind of keep on your radar. Yeah, he's definitely one to, to keep an eye out for. I remember when he, I met him first and he was told me he was going over to Wake Forest and I started following his his results on, on NCAA website and just, just keeping track of him because at that point when you, you meet a golfer that good, that young, you're, the, the right thing to do is to follow their, their progress. And so Wake saw that he won on his first event and then two weeks later wins again. But as an individual, instantly I was like, all right, this is a kid that's going to, this is going to do some impressive things. Yeah, and you're playing with him in two days' time, so you'll be able to yeah. tell us just exactly how good he is. So yeah, hope he I doesn't might, take too much money off you. Yeah, well, I'm going to make sure I'm on his team or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, well, isn't guys, thank you so much. Thank you to everyone that listened to the Bob McIntyre interview. That was that's been received really well. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed this one, Mark and. Let us know who you want us to talk to next. Um, the season is kicking off. PGA Tour is kicking off this coming weekend. European Tour is a few weeks after that. The LPGA is kicking off as well. So it might be a little bit tougher to get a few of the, the good names. Uh, Bob was really good to give us this time, but let us know who, who you would want us to talk to or what you would want us to talk about. And sure, we'll see you in the next episode. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute. The millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory.